There we go. It's my fault. Uh, for some reason, that the notes that I put in this morning did not make it to you version, so I apologize for that. Um, would you stand for the reading of the word this morning? I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter 6. We started off the series in Isaiah chapter 6. We will wrap up the series next week. Um, I have had a lot of fun preaching on the holiness of God. Um, and so it's going to be a little bit of a two-parter. This, when I think about a renewal of the Holy Spirit, when I think about understanding the holiness of God, I think there's only two responses. Uh, first, there's missional life, and then there's also living a holy life. And so we're going to deal with one today and, and the other next week. But Isaiah chapter 6, we've seen God high and lifted up as we've preached over the past few weeks. In verse 8, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here am I, send me. The Lord is asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah said, here my Lord, send me. My prayer today is that would be the response of every single human being listening, whether you're online or here in person, that whatever the Lord asks us to do, that we would simply say, here am I. Lord Jesus, ignite our hearts, ignite our minds, sanctify our imagination, set our lives apart for your work, for your direction, for the purposes that you have for us. We say, Lord, speak, your servants are listening. And where you would send us, we say, here we are, we are available to you. Ready to be obedient, ready to respond. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I meet a lot of missionaries and ministers that, uh, that do missions work in numbers of ways, a variety of, of ways. I have met with missionaries that work in primary agriculture and utilize farms. Uh, to minister to people. I've met missionaries and ministers that have utilized coffee shops and businesses in different parts of the world. Um, and one, it was about, man, a few months back where I got a contact from a minister, I would say a missionary within our state. Now, when it comes to reaching our world, I believe that we should start in Kalamazoo and reach from there. Jesus says, going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world, what he was talking about was basically you start at home and you start working your way out. And so we have got missionaries that we support because of your giving, missionaries that we support everywhere around the world, and that's such an honor to do. But I got um, a message from a local missionary, a Michigan minister, that wanted to get together. And now I do a lot of coffee sit-downs with missionaries, but this missionary won my heart. Not be, he didn't want coffee. He says, hey, could we go climbing together? How much money do you need? We'll just give it all to you right there. <laughs> I, wish, I wish that we could do that. But there is a particular type of ministry that he has been blessed with, that he has had doors opened up to him, that after sitting down, well, sitting down, there was no sitting down. We climbed for like two hours together talk to each other, had just conversations, even in my brain, begin to, I just begin to dream a little bit, and I feel like the Lord dropped him into my heart a few months back to do a, a, a Sunday morning for which every once in a while we will bring a missionary and we'll have a conversation and let you guys kind of get to hear that conversation, but I felt like 
The Spirit of God wanted to have a specific Sunday where we would talk about being on mission. God has not put us here just to take up space. He's not coming to your life just to stop with that work there. God help the church when we want Jesus to come into our life, but we keep him to ourselves. I want to be on mission. So, okay, first, we have got a guest that's going to join me up here. Would you please give, again, if you're new here, we give standing ovation welcomes to ministers that are visiting. Would you give a K-first welcome to Matt Foss this morning? Thank you. It's going to be fun. Thank you. I can be seated. Now, there was a part of me that was slightly bitter at him before I met him, so I said, I gotta, you got to give everybody a chance, because when I was in seventh grade, I tried out for baseball, and there was a kid from my Little League team named David Foss that I thought he was related to, that I was, I was heads and tails better than David Foss. <laughs> but when it came down to the final cuts, David Foss made it on the seventh grade baseball team, and I didn't, which got me into running track, so I was slightly bitter and found out there's no relation, so we're good this morning. Uncle, Uncle Dave is uh, a little bit older than he is, so uh, he's safe. Wait, how old is Uncle Dave? Uh, 74. Okay, all right. I, <laughs> I just had to see what old was. So, um, so, so talk to me. Talk to me about, uh, you know, in terms of what type of ministry do you have, because what you're doing is so out of the box. And as a climber, it, it automatically caught my ear, caught my heart. But what I love is God has utilized something that he's given you, a talent, an ability, and a passion. And he has really utilized that to help introduce the kingdom of God. So would you talk, introduce yourself, your family, and begin to talk through where God has placed you? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Matt Foss. Uh, I grew up in Holly, not Holland. Holland's close to here, right? Not Holland, Holly. We're by Flint. Um, been married for 15 years. My wife's really disappointed she couldn't be here. I got three little guys um, that keep me pretty busy uh, all the time. So I took them to, to try out hockey yesterday, which was interesting. So nice. that was more about just getting pictures for mom more than anything else. But, um, but when it comes to uh, Project 40, just really felt this call in my, in my life to, to take something that I, I love. I, I got into climbing in 2001, went one time to the gym. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this for a long time. <laughs> Went out, dropped some, dropped some money on some gear, and, and uh, got a buddy that came with me to the gym, and, and we got going. And there is such a community that's built around that. But um, in college, so 2001, uh, just, I was in a crimes courts and Christianity class, and there was a, a juvenile court judge that took uh, two guys that were in juvie. Like, they were, they were rough. Two guys that were um, just in the court system, two good old regular youth group kids, himself and a, and a friend, and they did a 75-day canoe trip from Lake Superior to the Hudson Bay. So you got to like kind of like let that sink in a little bit. Like that's all summer. That's like the day you're out of school until you go back to school. And um, just watching a video on that and just heard God like say, that's you. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it's, Close to, as close to audible as I've ever had, you know, when I was 21 years old, had no idea what that meant, um, but I just knew that I needed to go down that road, and it was confirmed by a lot of people in my life, and it's taken a long time to get there, but we're, we're, we're doing it. 
what I love is even the, even the simplicity of that because quite often we will talk about hearing from God. We have a hearing from God class going on right now. And I think there's just even the, the valuable lesson of, number one, we have a responsibility to hear from God for ourselves. And then and when you hear from God, this is why you need brothers and sisters in your life to not just help you understand that, but also to confirm it. Because uh, I don't know if you've ever had anybody walk up and said, man, God's challenged me to do this. And in your brain, you're like, really? Like what's, you look for people to help confirm and you're not looking for approval, but God will, will utilize brothers and sisters in Christ that know how to hear from the God to help confirm it. Uh, because there are moments, there are moments when, when God called me into ministry and I had people like, Dave, get a backup. Go after backup. And so for me, the NFL was my backup. It's not that funny, people. <laughs> but I had close friends that didn't look at the moment. They, they, they looked at the faith of the individual that kind of breathed into that. And, and so that's why it's important to be in community, to walk in community, so that as you're hearing from God, you got people breathing encouragement, breathing challenge, breathing accountability, because it helps stretch our faith. And like, I can't imagine, like, okay, I, what is that? A judge took, took students 75 days straight, 75 days straight on a canoe trip, yeah. And then to ask, you know, for the God to speak, that's what you're going to do. I, I think I might have panicked at that moment. I, what does this I, look like? I really didn't know what it meant. I didn't even know wilderness ministry was a thing. Like, I was uh, involved in Young Life Ministries, and, um, you know, I asked my Young Life leader, I was like, so this is kind of what the Lord's leading. And she got all excited. She's like, Young Life does a, they do a wilderness camp. They do a wilderness challenge. We got to get some of our guys on on a trip. And, and so, you know, you have to kind of test the waters, right? So I went on a a five-day backpacking trip down in, um, I was in North Carolina on the Appalachian Trail, and um, that whole time, I mean, it rained on us 24 hours at one point, <laughs> and, and even in the midst of that, you know, you're just soaked, and, and you wake up, and your sleeping bag's wet and everything, but I got off that trip, and it was just confirmed again, like, in my heart, like, this is you. Like, Matt, you were made to do this, and honest to goodness, I hate being dirty, like, like, if you ever go on a trip with me, if, if, if I can put my backpack down, I'm going to find a rock or I'm going to pull a sling out of my bag and sling a tree and hang my pack because I don't want it to get dirty. <laughs> yeah, this is my livelihood. I, like, uh, God's weird. <laughs> so, so talk to me about what ministry looks like because I know you, you and I have talked about, obviously we talk climbing and the type of ministry that God has placed because he utilized, what attracted me was he utilized something he gifted you with. Mm -hmm. It's an ability and a passion mixed together because I'll be honest, I've got passion for football, I don't have the abilities for football. <laughs> Thank you for nobody amening that whatsoever. I'll just make eye contact. Thank you, just smile. keep the eye contact. <laughs> but talk to me about what that looks like because that, I find that such a fascinating thing because quite often I, I think we think that God's going to call us to do things that are so far out of our wheelhouse that like, we just don't even want to ask God. We don't want to ask God, like, God, send me, God, direct me, because we're thinking God's going to challenge us. And can he do that? Of course he can. But I think sometimes that we, we are afraid to ask God because we think God's going to take us beyond abilities, uh, talents, or things. And we just got to get to that, back to the place where we simply say, Lord, speak. What would you have us do? So what does it look like now for you 
and, and the ministry that you do, the outreach that you do? Yeah, that's a, a great question. In, in high school, I, you know, my friend, I was, I was pretty active in the youth group. Uh, ninth grade is when I really, like, caught fire, you know, like, okay, I need to do this. The Isaiah 6 passage, like, I remember being in high school, like, that's, yeah, I, I got I to gotta respond. Like, here I am, Lord, send me, you know, whatever you want. And, um, you know, my fear of ministry was always, well, God's going to call me to go to Africa. I don't want to be a missionary in Africa. Why don't we all go? It's dirty there. <laughs> I don't want to get dirty. What is with you and dirt? I don't know. I don't like dirt. I don't know. All right, can I ask this? Can we have some vulnerability in the house? All right, let me just ask. How many people grew up going to youth group? Anybody? Youth groupers? Okay. Hands down. How many of you, when praying, you had a concern that God was going to call you to Africa? Can I just ask? All right, there's a few of us. My youth, my youth pastor used to say Zimbabwe. Maybe God might call you Zimbabwe. Why he always went there, I don't know. Have I, I've been to Africa, and I'm just telling you what, I would go back in a heartbeat, by the way. Unbelievable place uh, to go, not just visit, do, but to do ministry. But that, for some reason, that's where we I all have, go. I have been to Africa now. So have I've, you? I've, I've, I went on a missions trip, my, my one and only missions trip. I uh, went to Cairo, oh. and, and we served in the garbage city, and it was amazing, absolutely amazing. I learned to cut hair. For little boys. and you, you, you cut hair. I cut hair because the lady that was cutting hair got sick. And, uh, so they went to the rock climber. So, so yeah, they came to me. I was just kind of helping out, you know. And, and all I could do was cut like a faux hawk sort of thing, you know. And, and so You the just kids, gave kids faux hawks. The kids, yes. We have a picture and it's just a bunch of these little kids and they all have faux hawks. And, you know, the one kid's like, la la like, I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want you cutting hair. Because they, <laughs> they were there every day. They knew that I wasn't the person. I was not the hair cutter, you know. And, and so when they saw me with scissors and clippers, they're like, la and And then I gave one kid a faux hawk and then they were all like, yeah, 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 like... <laughs> Yeah, do that. After the so, service, we're going to get Matt some scissors. So I still, uh, yeah, I cut my kids' hair. They're unfortunate little souls. So, But anyway, so your original question, how, do, how does this look now? Um, you know, I, I, my, so Project 40 is the ministry that we started, my wife and I, and, our, and it's like you can have all these taglines, but it's, it's, we just want it to be simple. We just put adventure and discipleship. Like, my heartbeat is for discipleship. Like, even as a teenager, I wanted to disciple the middle schoolers. Yeah. You know, and it was, and I, I just took them golfing. They were into golf. And so we went golfing. I went to Taco Bell. You know, I mean, it was like, that was it. But um, it's, it's the relationship building that we need to invest in. Like, I, I firmly believe everything, the foundation of everything, of the church, of the body, is relationships. Yeah, yeah. And if we don't have relationships, then, then we're, we're missing the whole point. Yeah. Um, so I've just kind of taken my passions over the years as I got into climbing. I was like, oh, man, this is, this is great. I love this. I love the community around it. And uh, let's take people climbing and, and build a relationship. And when you have a shared experience, you have something that you can build off of. Yeah. And, uh, and even my, my friend Chris, we were talking about that. It's like, yeah, if, if you go on a, if you have an experience with somebody, that experience and the memory from that can last for a long time, and you can go back to where you started. I don't know how many of you have a, a, a friend, maybe through high school or college, that life takes you in different directions, but then you can get back together, and you can pick up right where you left off, mm -hmm. because you have those, those years together mm -hmm. of relationship together, and it, and it bonds you. And, like, that's what I'm after. 
I, I want that with teens and with young adults and to have that, that experiential uh, time together. And we can build off that. I love how you, you said that because I think that's something so key is quite often we talk about evangelism. I grew up in the age of personal evangelism where you just walked up to people maybe with a track in your hand or I was trained to ask the question, if you were to stand before God right now and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Anybody ever get hit with that? I've been hit with that at Walmart in Kalamazoo, by the way. I don't know why people think I need, I look like I need Jesus, but I apparently do. But what I love is the approach that you've got, which is the shared experience. We say often at this church, the enemy works in isolation, God works in community. And when you've got shared relationship with people, you actually have relational equity to be able to speak to things that nobody else can speak to. And am I, am I against street preachers? Not at all. Am I against um, what I would say just, just cold call evangelism? Not at all. But I've learned this, that some of the most powerful evangelistic moments are not the ones that necessarily take place on the streets. They take place in relationship. And so as you are having shared experiences with people, and those experiences can be your workplace, your, it could be a sport that we share, it could be a trip that you take, it could be the, school, the class that you're in, it could be your, your work, wherever you are. When you've got shared experience, you also have a shared opportunity to help show Jesus in that. So what does that look like with you, with, with these, these young people that you work with? What does that look like? It's... It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, you know, if I could, like, just, I don't know if I can say this out loud, like, blow up the internet. My wife told me I'm not allowed to talk like that, you know, like, if, but if I You're could good. just get rid of the internet, <laughs> make life so much easier. Um, my biggest sell with parents is all I got to do is just do this. With, you know, like, the, the motion of holding a cell phone in your hand, and it's like, how, how's it going with employers and having young employees, keeping them focused on the job and, you know, doing what they need to do? Everyone has a phone in their hand, and um, that's probably the biggest hurdle. So what it looks like for me is, is trying to get into an environment where we can get rid of the phone for even just a little bit. Um, so last week, uh, a couple guys we took on a trip just trying to reconnect with them, reconnect. Because it's not about the trip, it's about the relationship that starts on the trip. And then from there, it's follow-up, it's discipleship, it's, it's meeting with them on a regular basis. Well, they're from Flint, they don't go climbing. Um, so we went and shot some pool. Went to the pool hall, went to Earl's place. And, um, you know, it's still, it's still work trying to, like, jab them, like, you, are your ears cold? Like, why do you got the, the big earphones on? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> ditch the phones for, for a little bit, you know, and have a conversation. But you have to, like, work through that a little bit. But get yourself in a place where you can just, just ask questions. Just yeah, I, I, questions. I know this has been a tough going? time of year because where I think many of us celebrate how little snow that we've had. For an ice climber and someone that takes students ice climbing to actually do this type of ministry, this has been miserable. Yeah, we've only had one trip this year, so that was a, that was a big bummer. Yeah. But um, try, trying to get more, trying to get more. Uh, but in the meantime, it, it's, it's anywhere and everywhere I can go. So my wife and I host uh, um, a Chosen party. Anyone watch The Chosen? Okay, plug for The Chosen. It's, it's a great series. Uh, if you haven't watched it, it's, it's really good. So uh, we're just having people over to watch that. Well, 
I try to meet people wherever I go. And um, that's really been on my heart in the last couple of years, and it's hard. I'm, I'm struggling. I, I, have, I have a track in my pocket right now. Just in case. Just I, in case. Just in case I meet Just Dave. in case I came to church and someone didn't know Jesus, you know. I am so against these things, and I wrestle with this every single day because I didn't want to be the guy that goes out and just like, you know, if you die right now, where are you going to go? Like, if you stand before the throne right now, what are you going to do? Because I felt like it was so unrelational. Mm. But I'm learning that we can, we can establish relationships fairly quickly with people. So I know Ed from here. Ed grew up in uh, New Hampshire. He's climbed Mount Washington six mm -hmm. times. All right. He's our flute player, by the way. So, so me, and, me and Ed go way back like an hour and ten minutes. You know what I mean? Um, but, but we can engage in conversation, and you can be genuine. You yeah. can be real. You can have compassion. You can love people just in the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. And, you know, when the, if the moment is there, and if we're really like, Holy Spirit, use me. Like, if that's our prayer in the morning. God, take me wherever you want me to go, not what I want to do. And we leave our phone in our pockets, darn it. <laughs> like, and talk to the person in line next to you. You can have a conversation. And, and if the Spirit leads you, like, this is my typed out story, my testimony. It's not something some person wrote. I wrote it. It's me. It's personal. And I can say, you know, I have my story. I'd love to share it with you, like, if you have a minute. And, and I've done this at Meyer. Um, just asking the guy behind me, it was Easter weekend. I'm like, what do you got going on? What do you got going on this weekend? I just literally turned around, looked him in the face, and was like, how's it going? What do you got going on this weekend? <laughs> you know, and I don't know. I know not everybody can do that, you know, but, um, but we can start with that. And we got through the checkout line. I waited for him. He's like, man, you would not believe it. Like, I was talking to God, like, just saying, I need to meet a real Christian. I was like, are you serious? It's like, when was that? He goes, like, two hours ago. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I'm like, you know, and this, is, this was a new experience for me. I mean, I grew up in church. I went to youth group. I went to Bible college. I did all this stuff. But it wasn't until I was in my 40s that I'm like, man, God, I got to be real about my faith yeah. everywhere I yeah. go. And I wasted a lot of years. And, like, that's a big regret. Um, but I, I got his phone number, and we, we tried to connect. I tried to do a, a Bible study with him, and he's hard to connect with, you yeah. know. But, um, you know, I've done that a couple times and just had those connections. You know, I, I want revival for our church. I want revival for our city. But oftentimes we, we get messed up with terms. I think oftentimes we have renewal that takes place inside the church, and we call it revival. Renewal is necessary. I want to be renewed by the power of the Spirit of God. I want that every day, every Sunday together as a community. I want that shared experience. But quite often what is happening is, is we have renewal, but we don't have revival. Revi the difference is this. Renewal is when that which has life is already is being renewed. Revival is when that which was dead comes back to life. 
And what I think the challenge of our hearts today is God is calling, the holy God is calling us to have an experience with him. He wants to renew us. But the problem is for so often in the church is we will lift up our hands inside the building, but then we shut our mouths when we get outside the building. Hands up raised inside, mouth shut outside. Our lives are shut up outside. And we go to Myers, and we go to Aldi, we go to Walmart, we're at Trader Joe's, and we are so busy about our business. Do you remember the very first words of Jesus ever recorded in Scripture? The very first words. His parents lost them. First of all, let's talk about you lose your kid is one thing. You've lost the Son of God. Try to explain that to the Father. Lost your kid. They go back to find Jesus, and Jesus, is, he's in the temple. He's talking with people. He's, in, he's having this shared experience of, of having conversations with the rabbis, which would have been very popular that day, is talking with the rabbi and debating. And he says these words, did you not know I would be about my father's business? Immediately, he is in this place where he wants to be about a mission. He was on mission. And God has called us to do more than just be about our business. And I, I've been at fault where some of you have seen me at Meyer, where I've got my AirPods in. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to whatever. And Pastor Dave, I, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I pull it out of my ear. We can get so bent on just getting our business, our jobs done, of what our task was and what we're supposed to do when we get back home that we forget that everywhere we go, that we're on mission. The holy God has spoken to us, whom will I send? And, and I don't think another one of us are asking for you to give a dissertation on the book of Leviticus in Trader Joe's. I don't think anybody's asking us to do that. That's my wife's favorite book of the Bible. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little stunned right now. <laughs> That's a first. But... I think what we are asking is to simply say, is to listen to the voice of the Lord saying, who will I send? Before we make a judgment call over somebody that's having a bad day in line. Before we make a judgment call over the person that, I don't know if you've ever pulled up waiting for someone to back out. As they back out, somebody swings in and takes that spot. Some of you aren't speaking blessing over them, are you? Maybe they're the ones that swung in. And yeah. <laughs> but God is, I think, challenging our lives whom will I send? Whom will I send? I think one of the best responses to be a, to our holy God is actually to live lives that are on a holy mission. That we would not keep our mouths or specifically our lives shut with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you had mentioned before that you will do like year-long discipleship with, with some of these boys. Yeah, that's, that's the goal is um, time. So my philosophy of ministry when I was in college was time and seclusion. So how much time can I get with somebody, and how secluded can we get from all the, the busyness that we're talking about? Um, so, I mean, when God said that to you, I'm watching a video of a, a teenager that was on a 75-day canoe trip. I'm like, that's, that's pretty radical, God. <laughs> like, how do I do that? Um, but I had to, like, figure out, okay, how does this look on a day-to-day? -day? Like, I'm married. I have three boys I can't leave for the whole summer and be like, all right, see you, family. I'm going to go take these guys on an awesome mountaineering trip, you know. <laughs> um, so you take your family with you. So, you know, I went to British Columbia, and we did 40 days. And we, we, stayed, we stayed in British Columbia at a Young Life camp and served the camp. So my family got to be there. The kids got to be there at the same time. 
And, um, you know, it was an awesome adventure. I just got invited back. So any young people that want to go to British Columbia for the summer, like, talk to me after, and I'll get you hooked up. But you got to get a lineup after, after church. <laughs> but on the, um, on, on the day-to-day, like, I, I don't want to just engage in a relationship, have the experience, and then walk away and get back to daily life. Because I've been to camp, and you get all on fire for the Lord at camp, and then you come home. And you go back to school and you just do what you do. Or it lasts for a couple of weeks, that, like, passion, that fire. And then it's like, ah, yeah, but daily life, you know, yeah. it happens. Yeah. Uh, so I intentionally spend my time, like, going after these kids and meeting with them. I try to meet with them every single week and disciple them, coach them. Where are they? Where are they in life? Like, what do you need help with? You need to learn how to change a tire? Let's, let's do it. Um, Pool Joe, I call him, because I've met a lot of Joes over the last several months. Pool Joe, met him at a pool, <laughs> just talking. Same kind of conversation I had with Ed, just like, a, hey, how's it going? How's your day? You know, whatever. Uh, eight months of me texting him and inviting him to go mountain biking or go hiking, go climbing, because he told me he was interested. So I was like, all right. And then it's always like, oh, my car's broken. Oh, I don't have this. Oh, I don't have that. I'm pretty sure he's not a believer. Um, I was like, I'm going to pray for you. This is all through text. Like, I'm going to pray for you for a car. And he texts back like, man, I really appreciate that. Like, that means a lot. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> he finally came to our house a couple weeks ago because he wanted to learn how to work on cars. He's like, I'll help you for free if you can teach me stuff. Heck Yes. So I'm working on my car anyway, right? So invite, pull Joe over to join me. Like, invite people into your life. Yeah. Like whatever it is that you do. I had to work on my car anyway. And I told him, well, I'm also watching two little kids. One's mine and one's a friend. So if you're all right with kids, he's like, it's cool, man. <laughs> it's like, okay. I love the simplicity of inviting people into life. Inviting people into the everydayness. Inviting people into the every into the moments, and especially people people are hungry for relationship. People are done with 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 surfacey Christianity, where we come in and we smile and we're blessed, and, and Jesus doesn't reach to the the fixing the car moments in life. And I that's what part of this morning is. I wanted something to get deep down in our spirits, where we just simply say, Lord, look at our everydayness of life, and how would you utilize that? How could you utilize this? And don't ever give the the excuse that just says, Well, God, you can't use my life because it's too ordinary. What I love about Jesus is Jesus got into the ordinary. Some of the places you would find Jesus the most was at tables, having meals. It's my favorite part of Jesus. It's the eating Jesus. My other favorite Jesus is the napping Jesus. That's another good one. I got an amen over here. But Jesus interacting with people on the everydayness. One of the best stories in the Gospels, in my opinion, is the resurrected Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. And the, these two men, they were so broken over the death of Jesus, they didn't even know he resurrected. They didn't even know Jesus was walking with them and just talking with them. As they walked, they talked. And then they, and then they sat down, and it's when they broke bread, did something so ordinary, their eyes were open, their spirits were ignited, and Jesus disappeared, and they looked at each other and said, did our hearts not burn with him? Not when he preached at us. 
Did our hearts not burn as he walked and he talked with us? That's the everydayness. We want to reflect a holy God. It's not going to be done from a pulpit. Some of your pulpits are going to be in a home, in line, on a walk. Quite often, someone will ask my wife, hey, can we, can we, can we talk? I need to talk to somebody. You know what she'll say? Let's go for a walk. Sometimes it's in a coffee shop. A good coffee shop, by the way. Sometimes it's over a meal. Sometimes it's over a rock climb, a canoe. What God has put in your hands, I want to read your scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. Verse 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all with the glory of God. Whatever you do. The context here, Paul is, is kind of harping on the, the, the church in Corinth a bit, and he's challenging them. Whatever God has put in your hand, do it for the glory of God. You fix cars, do it for the glory of God. You're working as an engineer, be an engineer for the glory of God. You rock climb, you bike, invite somebody into that space because when you've got that opportunity, that relationship, you've heard me say this from the pulpit, you have opportunities I will never have. I can't walk into your engineering firm. I can't walk into uh, the platforms that you're at. I can't walk into your classes and work with the other teachers and talk to them the way that you can. God has blessed you with opportunities, so whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. What would, you, what would you speak into hearts today? If you were to give them a takeaway today in terms of where we are at in this world, uh, we're, in a, we're in a place where everyone is vocal about their beliefs, vocal about their stances, vocal about their decisions, vocal about their sexuality, vocal about their politics, vocal about everything. But for some reason, the church has gotten quieter as if we don't want to offend. What would you challenge us as a body here at K-First about being obedient to where God has called us in in this moment and this time. Yeah, I, what, I'll just speak what has really captured me mm -hmm. in, the, in the last couple of years, and it, it's, it's been the Great Commission. It's yeah. like I grew up with the Great Commission. Yeah. You know, we all know Matthew 28, and, and it says to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm with you always to the, even to the end of the age, right? Yeah. Whose job was, was that? It was, it was his job. Like, this was my perspective. It was the pastor's job. It was my friend next to me who got called to go be a missionary in Africa, in Africa right? <laughs> you know, like, okay, that's, that's his job. He's going. Like, see all these great men and women of faith that are, that are going, and they're going, and they're making disciples, and they're building churches. And, and it was like, wait a minute. He told the disciples, 12 regular men, yeah. to go and make disciples. They weren't pastors you know like they they were ordinary they were just a bunch of dudes <laughs> they were fishermen fishermen tax collectors and to go and just just tell them what god's what jesus is doing in their life mm -hmm. and then teach them to do the same thing so now there's this multiplication factor of i don't want to make disciples i don't want to bring somebody up that, you know, great, okay, good, you know Jesus now. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. No, I want that person to be able to go to somebody else yeah. and make a disciple. Yeah. Um, and so just the, the gravity of the Great Commission on everybody, 
every person who's a part of the body of Christ, it's our job to go and make disciples. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how young we are. Like, it's our job to go and do that. Yes. And that got into my heart a few years ago. And, and so that's, that's been what I'm, I'm, I'm learning. It's a, it's a journey. And I'll tell you, I've had a lot of really awkward conversations. <laughs> and it, it's okay. And sometimes it scares me off. And I don't say something. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, I need to go back. I sat in my car at Panera Bread, because I felt like the Lord told me to speak to this guy at Panera that I ignored it, right? So I made it all the way to my car, and it wouldn't go away. I started my car, and I turned my car back off. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, I'll go back in. And I just asked this guy, like, can I sit down and kind of join you? He was, he's an older gentleman. He's like, sure. <laughs> Yeah, what do you say? <laughs> Most awkward conversation ever in my entire life. He did not surrender his life to Jesus. He didn't, you know, nothing. It was just very weird and awkward. But I don't know what seed was planted in that moment. Yeah. And, and maybe that was for me to, to say, Matt, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to be yeah. Isaiah who says, here I am. Yeah. Send me. Is that going to be you or are you going to just go somewhere else and start the car and be like, oh, the car's already started, Lord. Can't go back now. You know, like someone's waiting for my parking spot, you know. Um, so that, that's probably the, the number one takeaway. And, and if I can add a second thing to that is um, when, we, when we pray, like actually pray. You know, yeah. when we get up in the morning, I've, I've developed a habit um, to ask the Holy Spirit two things. One, forgive me for where I'm, I'm messing up. Mm -hmm. I don't want any sin in my life that is blocking me yeah. from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because sin will do that. It will. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the first part of that prayer. And the second part is, okay, here, here I am. Let me just go where you take me. Yeah. And so the analogy that I learned when I was learning this prayer is a sailboat. So to go sailing, I've, I've only sailed once, I think. Um, but you got to do two things to that sail. You got to untie the sails. So that's the confession. And then that boat's not going anywhere unless you raise that sail up. So if the Holy Spirit is the wind in our life, then we got to raise that sail up and let the Holy Spirit take us where he wants us to go. And, and, and I'll, I'll just echo that prayer all throughout the day, like especially when I'm going into a store, I'm going somewhere, you know, it's like as we go, we need to be disciple makers so as we go about our daily life. Um, and I, I write people's names down too. So the, the poor um, Jordan and, and Matt and Spirit, the, and now, oh, what's the new guy's name? Anyway, the Dollar General down the, across you, the street. You wrote his me. name down though. I did. Wait, <laughs> did I? I don't know. It was just last week. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he's not sure he's going to stay there because it's been robbed twice in the last three weeks. Um, so anyway, the guys at Dollar General, like, you know, we, we've got it out for them. Like, we're praying for them. Yeah. And, and we'll see. it. I haven't had the opportunity to share my story yet, but the, the one guy's convinced that, you know, his, his mom would love me because we both watched The Chosen. So, <laughs> you know, but we have good conversations. There's, there's, there's two things that, that I want to speak to what Matt just said. First of all, as I've often said, Billy Graham's great statement on evangelism is this. It takes 40 people to lead someone to Jesus, 39 people who think they've done nothing, and one person who thinks they've done everything. 
we in America are so addicted to results that we think if we evangelize to somebody or we pray for somebody, what if we don't see the result right there and so therefore we say no because we are so results driven. God has not called you to develop results. He's called you to be faithful. Be faithful. And on top of that, you use a great word. And the word is gravity. In the, in, at the gym, we will talk about high gravity days and low gravity days. Let's be real. Gravity is the same all the time. I think somebody scientifically will probably prove me wrong or right on that one. But on a high gravity day, you're climbing everything and you feel like nothing's going to stop you. Low gravity day, you're falling off of everything. Or high gravity day, you're falling off everything. Low gravity, you feel like something's lifting you up. There is a gravity, I love that term, of the Great Commission. That my prayers from today is what rests upon us as a body. That the gravity of the Great Commission to not go and make converts, to go and make disciples. That we would be more than driven to go, if I could just get someone to pray, pray a prayer, if I could get them to pray the sinner's prayer. Can I give you a, a scriptural clue? There is no such thing as the sinner's prayer in the scripture. Some of you that broke your world right there. The scripture says, repent and be saved. Lead people in repentance. Lead them to salvation. But in the name of the Lord, don't leave them there. Disciple them. Walk with them. Work with them. It's, 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 I think it's Matthew chapter 11 in the message paraphrase. Jesus says, walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythm of grace. And what God is calling us to do is to walk in the gravity of the Great Commission. And that's what I'm going to ask for Matt to pray over you as we bring this to a close, is I want him to pray that the gravity of the Great Commission would rest so heavily upon us as a body. That when we, wherever we go, that God would give us Panera moments, that we would feel the gravity of the Spirit of God in every moment. Even if we turn the car on, the car gets flipped right back off because we're, we refuse to not say yes to God. We just we want to say yes to everything. And I pray that the gravity of the Great Commission would take you into every place, into every moment. That the gravity of the Great Commission would be on you, in your neighborhood as you're walking just down the street. Anna and I went for like a three-mile walk through our neighborhood just, just kind of looking at homes, and my heart just broken with homes that are just wrecked by trees. And it's amazing the conversations will happen when you walk in the gravity of the Great Commission. That would be a great name for today. That as you're shopping for kitty litter, you feel the gravity of the Great Commission. When you're walking to get your mail and you see your, your neighbor getting their mail, you would walk in the gravity of the Great Commission. As you're driving down the street, and God tells you to stop somewhere that you would feel the gravity of the Great Commission. Because the same God in Isaiah that was high and lifted up, he is still speaking, who will go? Who will go? Lord, that you would give us such a weight of the gravity of the Great Commission that we can't go a day without feeling that pull on us. To look and to say, God, open up my eyes to see. 
Because I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to do such a work of renewal in here that what is going to revive our community is not what totally takes place in here. We live as a result of what's taking place here. That the gravity of that great commission would move us, would challenge us. And yeah, you might not be a climber, but you might be a walker, you might be a shopper, you might be a teacher, you might be a homemaker. You might be a construction worker. You might be an admin. Whatever God has put in your hands, would you just do it to the glory of God? Matt, would you pray over our congregation? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go bow our heads. Yahweh, you are awesome. You are incredible. You are perfect. You are holy. You are just and fair. You are righteous. God, you, you, you teach us. You teach us in your word how to, to walk out this life. And, Lord, you also give us commandments. And you, you tell us, Lord, it's, it's not optional. You tell us to go and make disciples. But you also encourage us and say, I am with you always. Yeah. Like, I will always be there. And, Lord, there are some pretty scary moments out there. And in light of the world, though, where we live, not scary. There's embarrassing moments where we're, we're maybe embarrassed of ourselves or the, the flesh that gets in the way of your, of your word and your gospel. But God, I pray that you would just shed that away. Lord, I pray that you start putting burdens in our hearts as yeah. the body of Christ, that we will be bold, yeah. that we will be bold as lions. Lord, yeah. you are the lion, not the enemy. He's a pretender. He's a faker. But, Lord, you are, are bold, and, and that boldness put in our hearts, God, to share our story. Lord, you've done a work in us. Help us to share that with, with our neighbors and with our coworkers and with our students and with our parents and with our, our family, our friends. Lord, just, just put that burden in our hearts. And, and, God, do put the gravity of what you've asked us to do so much on our heart that we cannot shake it, that we can't walk out of here this morning Go out to lunch and forget what you're doing in our hearts. Yeah. Lord, what you're speaking to us. So, Lord, I just pray that it will just stir the culture of this congregation, Lord, that, that it will just start to explode. And, Lord, we will see this happen in, in Kalamazoo, that the city will be reached because of the individuals, not because of the church, this church or the church down the street, but because the body of Christ is going out and being active. Yeah. And, Lord, that we are doing what you told us to do. So, Lord, just put that in our hearts and let it continue to burn within us. We love you. Thank you for loving us first, Lord. We would be, we'd be very lost without you. I would be very lost without you, Lord. So uh, thank you for loving me. Uh, I, I pray this in your awesome, incredible name, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah. Amen. Amen.